about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Hi everyone, my name's Becca and the first Bible reading is from Luke chapter 6 starting at verse 17 and going through to verse 38. So Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured And the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you who have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The second Bible reading is the one that's on the screen there. Uh, so that's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 to 11. It can be found on 1,131. The few Bibles. If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not, to, uh, are you not 
competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible... Uh, Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother goes to the law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, You yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, (laughs) idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we we thank you that your word speaks truth and that it brings life. We ask that through the power of your Spirit, you would settle us, that we would be receptive and we would be open to your word. We ask that you would use it to encourage us, to challenge us and to rebuke us. But most importantly, Lord, we ask that you would use it to grow us in the likeness of your Son, in whose mighty name we pray. Amen. Talking this evening about being called. So for those of you who like an outline, some of us like structure, so those of you who do, I'm going to talk about we being the church are called. I'm going to talk about us being called to a better life. I'm going to talk about being called to this better life by grace. The media loves a scandal. You know, I was only reading in the paper on Friday that, you know, Grant Hackett's, you know, his nipple-tweaking escapades on that airline a couple of weeks ago, they're still capturing frontline headlines. And we're being assured it wasn't the drugs, it was just the alcohol and he was a bit tired. Oh, and the antibiotics. Yes, our world loves a scandal. And you know what? We, the church, we're not exempt. You know, our Sydney press, you know, they love to have a go at Hillsong. Every few months, a current affair will come up with an angle to attack their success, whether it's their money, whether it's their tax-free status, whether it's the expensive real estate around Sydney they own, you know, what are they really doing with the $80 million a year they raise, or that it's just a family business. And instead of remaining silent, many of us, we're actually 
quite happy to join in in the public ridicule on social media sites, you know, tearing down rather than building up the body of Christ. Or there's Singapore City Harvest Church, where six church leaders were convicted of fraud for taking $50 million out of the offertory and using it to fund a pastor's wife's singing career. People keep saying that the church is irrelevant, but when a scandal emerges, they love to watch. You know, the mix of money, faith and scandal absolutely fascinated Singapore. You know, the only reason a current affair and Sydney Morning Herald pursue, Hill, pursue Hillsong is our society is interested. A scandal in the church sells papers, it sells advertising slots. You know, I think the voyeuristic interest in, in scandal is part of the human condition. It's part of this world we live in. But we're called to be different. You see, the tragedy is that the Christian church's behaviour undermines our vision of having a difference to offer the world. Instead of seeing the grace that comes through relationship with the risen Christ, they see us behaving no differently to the world. We want to tell the world that Jesus makes a difference. But the world screams back, you're no different to the rest of us. We heard last week that although we love freedom, we know that discipline is both good and necessary for both our own, our own lives, but also for organisations to function correctly. And here in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul talks of this good order, this discipline, this judgment. You know, he ended up chapter 5 by instructing us to judge and expel those among us who are wicked. How much more then does he give us authority to deal with disputes and trivialities among us rather than taking them to the outside courts? I hazard to say I've been hanging around with Fitz for too long and I'm going to have to start using rugby league, league analogies, so I apologise for that. But this in-house authority, it's a bit like the NRL. You know, pretty much every week players are assaulted in illegal tackles or contacts, but rather than going off to the magistrate, the decision is made to discipline the offender in-house. However, when Paul says keep it in-house... He's not denigrating the outside civilian courts. You know, they too have a place. You know, it was only three, in Acts 18, we see that it was only three years earlier than this was written that um, Paul, Paul owed his freedom uh, in Corinth, the righteous action of the Roman consul. So still using the NRL analogy, it's a bit like when Alex McKinnon from the Knights back in 2014 was made a quadriplegic from an illegal tackle. Discipline was, made, was maintained in-house and a number of Storm players were suspended. However, McKinnon still reserves the right to sue the NRL in the Melbourne Storm. Can I now invite you to actually have a look at the text with me? So 1 Corinthians 6, picking up at verse 1. Paul says... 
If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? But you know what? Despite Paul's concerns in verses 1 and 2 about disputes going outside the church for judgment, I actually think Paul has a bigger concern here. He just said, do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And then in verse 3 he picks up, do you not know that we will judge angels? I read that and I go, what on earth does he mean by that? That we will judge angels. See, when I think of angels, I'm reminded of Easter. If we cast our minds back a few weeks to Easter, Matthew 28, when the angel of the Lord appears before the guards and Jesus' tomb. And we read, this is referring to the angel, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. You know, even the Marys were scared. When the Marys came to the tomb, they were terrified. See, the response that that humans have when they see angels, they are terrified. They are scared. So what's with we will judge angels? rather than be cowering when we see angels. Well, as God's children, when Jesus returns, we will be given a higher position than the angels. So Paul is saying, when he's, think about the future, think about who you will be, think about who you are, think about what I have prepared you for. Paul is saying, So live as God intended. Don't live as the world does. Don't respond like they do. See, our response should be that of those who are by God's grace, the children of God. We have been called to a different life. But who's this we who have been called? Who is Paul speaking to? Who are the Lord's people from verse 2? It's the church. And what's the church? The church is the gathering of God's people. The church is the gathering of those who have put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. The church has been called by God. So everyone who is the church has been called. And what have we been called? Called to what? Called to live as God intended. Called to be different to the world. You know, in verses 6 and 7, we see that the church is not living as God intended, but instead, one brother takes another to court. And this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. We are called to this different life. As we sit here tonight, we come from different backgrounds 
different experiences, different ideas, different thoughts about things, different political views. But we're all called to be on the same team. You know, as was mentioned earlier, I'm in the Navy. And look, there's a lot of rivalry between the different services. Yeah. We have our jokes. You know, stars. The Navy navigates by the stars. The Army sleeps under the stars. The Air Force, they choose their hotels by the stars. You know, if you ask a soldier to secure a building, he'll roll out razor wire, he'll put snipers on the roof, uh, guards all over the place, sandbag embankments. If you ask a Navy person to secure the building, you know, he'll turn the lights off and close the doors behind him. And the Air Force, well, they'll take out a three-year lease with an option for another three. But more seriously, you only need to watch the annual inter-service rugby tournament and to see the amount of blood being spilt on the pitch that there is a lot of rivalry and they are different. There is no love lost between the services. However, a couple of months ago when HMAS Canberra, the 28,000 tonne, 230 metre long amphibious assault ship, the largest ship we've ever had in the Australian Navy, when she was tasked to respond to, the, to Cyclone Ravage Fiji uh, for humanitarian assistance and disaster relief, the, different, the three services, they came together. Sailors to operate the ship and the vessels, soldiers to provide engineering and security elements ashore, airmen and women to ensure the airspace was managed and safe and controlled. The team came together as one. They forgot about their differences they forgot about their different uniforms, their different cultures. They all gathered with one purpose, to bring relief, safety, security and hope to a ravaged nation. You see, when we gather, we leave our differences behind. We gather to encourage and support each other in word and in action. We gather to lift our Lord's name on high we gather to be a light, to be a point of difference and hope in this world. We gather to proclaim the saving work of Jesus Christ, the one who brings hope to a world that is without hope. And why do we do this? Because we have been called to a better life. When Paul says in verse 7, the fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. He's picking up that the old ways are still prevalent. He's saying your very presence in the courts is a denial of all you profess. You know, me might sit here and go, well, that's okay, I'm not suing the person in the pew behind me, so I'm all right. But that's not Paul's point. Paul is picking up that these behaviours, these petty squabbles, they're indicative that we have not left behind the desires, the passions, the priorities of our life before we were called. So what are the things in your lives? What behaviours and actions do you cling to that don't honour God? 
Are we welcoming? Are we generous? Are we loving? Do we care for the vulnerable? Or do we gossip? Do we put people down? Are we liberal with the truth? Is our language a bit dodgy? We've been called to a better life. When Paul says we are called to a better life, he's talking about inheriting the kingdom of God. In verse 9, Paul says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? When Paul uses the word wrongdoer or unrighteous, he's implying those whose behaviour is no different to the unbelieving world. They may not be among God's people. You know, those people of verse 1, the saints. And why? Well, this isn't about salvation by works. This isn't about doing stuff to get right with God. What Paul's saying is, when we accept this calling to a better life, it should be apparent. People should be able to see it. When we were called, we, let our different, we left our differences behind. And we are a point of difference in this world. We're called to be light and speak hope into a world of darkness and hopelessness. Because we are inheritors of the kingdom of God. And what does this kingdom of God look like? Well, it's God's active and righteous rule overturning Satan's evil domination of the world. You see, God's kingdom became a reality when Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead. Now, the kingdom of God might not be visible in this age, but its outworking can be seen when people are brought by the word of God from, darkness, from the darkness of the world into the brightness of the assembly of God's holy ones, the Lord's people. We're called to be a point of difference in this world. You know, we're no longer slaves to sin in this world. We are no longer a self-seeking, self-serving people living lives that tear down. Because we are different. And why are we different? Because we're being called by grace to this better life. In verse 11... But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When you called on Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you were washed, you were forgiven. At regeneration, we were spiritually cleansed from the guilt and dominating power of sin. When you called on Jesus, you were sanctified. You were made holy. You were set apart for God. We broke away from our love of sin. Because we're in Christ, God has set us apart as his holy people. In our Christian life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's this sanctification that grows us to be more like Jesus. 
when you called on Jesus, you were justified. You were declared righteous by God. And God was able to do this because of the righteousness that belongs to Christ. His perfect life, his death for our sins, his resurrection and conquering of death means that Christ's righteousness has become our righteousness. And what does this mean? Well, Paul is saying that we, like the Corinthians, need to live in a way that is consistent with this verdict and status that he has given us. So we shouldn't be a community who have petty squabbles. We shouldn't be a people that have disputes being carried outside the community. We're called to be a point of difference in this world. We should be a people who encourage, who value, who respect, build up, serve, love and care for each other. And let us never forget that we were called by grace to this better life. We did nothing to earn this. This was all about God acting through his son Jesus. So we should display grace in our lives. You know, this side of glory, although no longer slaves to sin, we will still struggle with sin in our lives and in our community. So how do we respond and act when our community is not perfect? In verse 7, Paul says, Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? See, that's what grace looks like. When we feel aggrieved or let down or hurt or not listened to, rather than responding with anger, vengeance or trying to seek retribution, we should live as God intended. Our first first response should be to offer forgiveness, giving up our right for vengeance and retribution and rather looking for the possibility of restoring relationship. Remembering that we have been washed, sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So tonight, let us not get caught up or relish in the scandals of this world. Let us grieve when there is scandal in the church. We may be empowered and entrusted with dealing with the trivial issues that emerge in our church. But more importantly, we're called to be different. We're called to a better life. And through the life, death and resurrection of our Lord and Saviour, we are called to this better life by grace. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus be a light that shines through us into our community. And may it bring hope to a world of darkness. Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. 
For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.